paper is either here or it's in Greenville, I'm always happy with a big check mark because if I'm traveling down through, well, we take the opportunity of stopping and uh, enjoying the family. Our daughter Esther, they live in Stanley, which is, um, well, it's just near Lake Norman, about half an hour north of Charlotte. And uh, they were with us for about 10 years when they were married. She met her husband and Bob Jones. And they were with us for 10 years. And they, both of our grandchildren were born in Canada. And then they moved. Uh, Steve took a job down here. And they moved about six years ago. So we haven't yet forgiven him for that. But we're working on it the best we can. But folks, it's a real joy to be with you here. And I want to say again, Echoing my words from Wednesday evening about the very special night it was there, I'm happy that we were able to take part of your 35th slash 36th anniversary of your church and uh, the ability to bring the greetings from Presbytery. I'm very thankful for that. And I mentioned it in passing on Wednesday night. But I want to emphasize it again, our thanks and appreciation for the hospitality you folks have given to us. And it has really been a blessing. We, all the men agreed that the ladies, you went overboard in all your preparations for our lunch. And it spilled over into some dinner meetings as well. And uh, right up until Friday afternoon, we were still enjoying the benefits of some of those leftovers, which were great. And uh, we had good fellowship. Some of the, it's always a skeleton crew on Friday afternoon, Friday morning and afternoon, as many of the ministers have to get their way back to their churches Friday morning. And if they can stay for a little bit of the prayer time, then they have to leave right away. But uh, we're very thankful. The Lord did meet with us this week. And uh, it was a very special blessing from the Lord. And we are appreciating that. We're looking forward to see what He has done. You know, We've been praying for a long time for men, for the Lord to bring men into the uh, seminary to be trained for the ministry because we had vacant pulpits and men retiring. Well, it took years and it's taken time, but that prayer has been answered in part. We're very thankful to see the pulpit filled in Orlando, Florida. Very thankful to see the pulpit filled in Cloverdale, British Columbia, and also in now in Fredericton, in New Brunswick, uh, the most recent one with Frank DiDerno. So these men are coming through, they're graduating, and I know that you have a, a special heart for the seminary because we so appreciate uh, Brother Kimbrough and the work he's doing as president of our seminary. And I know you're praying much for him and praying the Lord would continue to bring men in with the call of God. The ministry is not a career choice. The ministry of the gospel is a calling from God. And let's not ever forget that. Because the men who come called of God to give themselves to the Lord's work, they're doing that because they believe the hand of the Lord is upon them for a specific purpose. And I often say to our own people, whether you're in the ministry or you are serving the Lord in what we call secular employment. We have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're no different from Esther in the Old Testament. God raises up His people to do a work. Young people, I encourage you to seek the Lord with all your heart, knowing 
that your life is in the hands of the Lord and He has got a purpose for you to live. And so let us do that with all our hearts and souls and I encourage you to do that. We were... Well, I just wanted to bring you greetings also from our church in Toronto and uh, certainly from Jill, my wife. She would love to have been here with you as well. Some of the ladies were able to gather for this week of prayer, even though it wasn't the officially the family gathering, but because of our, uh, her involvement in our Christian schoolwork in Toronto, she's not able to get away. But thank you for remembering us in your prayers as God brings us to your heart. It is a, a ministry that is very much upon our hearts in Toronto. Uh, our task is compounded as we all know, the increase of antagonism against the gospel. We are living in a post-Christian world today, in many sense in the Western world, and the antagonism against the gospel and against what we're trying to do for Christ in raising a generation that are being taught and trained in the way of, of righteousness is not an easy thing. So those challenges are upon us. And we are thankful for your prayers, as you remember, as God brings our work to your heart. And I, I certainly bring you greetings from Dr. and Mrs. McClellan. I know that uh, some of you may be wondering, he has, he has not enjoyed good health, Dr. McClellan, that is, in this last little while. He was in the hospital for about 17 days because of a heart problem. And he was hoping to go overseas to Northern Ireland for Let the Bible Speak 50th anniversary. They'd invited him to go over. He was a founding uh, member of that organization with Dr. Cairns and uh, James McClellan, his brother. And yet he was not able at the last to go. But he's got a pacemaker in now and he's starting to get balanced. He'll be 88 years old next February. And uh, he's slowing down a little bit, but much is appreciating your prayers and Mrs. McClellan is doing quite well and is in, in good health still. So they bring you their warm greetings and love to the, the congregation here. And of course to your dear minister and his wife. Uh, they are dear friends of ours. And we go back a long, long way. And whenever we are passing through, if we can arrange a breakfast or a lunch, if we're not able to stay over, we try to do that. And it's a, a blessing and we greatly respect and appreciate your pastor and his wife. And we know that they are dear uh, to your heart as well. May the Lord continue to uh, bless your congregation and encourage your heart and uh, take you forward in the call and cause that the Lord has for you. The Lord's doing great things. In this week of prayer, the emphasis has really been upon the expansion of our ministries. And in the salvation of souls, we want people to be joined to our church and uh, we have been emphasizing and focusing the last while in our own fellowship about everyone praying that God would make you a soul winner, that he would open doors and lead us all to people to speak to outside the doors of the church and the walls of the church building, your neighbors, workmates, people you meet in the marketplace, the grocery stores, wherever that is, and just to encourage you along that line to keep that going before God. And we want to see and desire to see, instead of a retreating and a shutting down of ministries, we want to see the expansion and the growth of works. And we pray that in every major province and a major city of our own nation, that God would raise up and start a work. 
And we pray the same here for your great nation of the United States. And so we pray that God's blessing will be upon you. Let me give you a little plug here for next August. We really enjoyed Audrey, who was able to join us for our young adult uh, Bible conference this August past. And we enjoyed uh, Reverend Andrew Simpson, who came to preach for us from our Prince George congregation. And if uh, all goes well, if the Lord opens that door completely, we're hoping to have Brother Roger Higginson, who is the minister of our Lisburn Free Presbyterian Church in Northern Ireland. He has agreed to come to be with us uh, for that conference we're going to have next August. Well, it's July 31st to August the 4th. That's the days we've set for it. And if any of the young men and women from 18 and up would like to come and be with us, our target and purpose for starting this last year was, I know that camp is such a blessing, and the folks who have gone to the camp have been there, then when they get to be 18 and they can't really attend the camp anymore, uh, we wanted to try to open an opportunity to have fellowship and introduce other of our young men and women to others in the Free Presbyterian denomination. And so if any would like to come, we'll be giving you more information about that as the time goes in. And we hope that others of our churches in the U.S. would be able to join with us as well. So the Lord encourage your heart and help you to keep going in the service of Christ. I'm asking you please to turn now in your Bibles to Psalm 107. Psalm 107. It's a blessing to be able to be with you and open the Word of God. I know that the responsibilities of moderator duties, they come with great blessings because I can do what I'm doing today and being with you and sharing the Word of God and bringing you those greetings and to see other of our churches that you might not normally get to see. And it's a blessing to do that. So I would ask you to please remember me in your prayers. And one other thing I would ask you to remember, in the middle of November, I'm planning to go to South Korea to visit Song Ki Lee and his family and his congregation there. We have felt over the last number of years since our brother really started a pioneer work in South Korea that they have been so distant from us, sometimes it's easy to forget them. Well, let me encourage you to remember that work before God in prayer. And so the mission board thought it would be a good idea uh, to send a representative there to encourage them, let them know they haven't been forgotten, and we want to remember them before the Lord. So please don't forget to pray for that mission trip. Psalm 107, we're going to begin at verse 31, reading down to the end of this psalm. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. 
He turneth the wilderness into a standing water, and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell, that they may prepare a city for habitation. And sow the fields, plant vineyards, which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also, so that they are multiplied greatly, and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes, and causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction, and maketh his families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice, and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. I want to draw your attention to this final verse of Psalm 107. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Would you please bow with me in a word of prayer? Lord, we are thankful today for the great blessing and privilege of being in your house on this Lord's Day morning. And Father, we have known your presence and help and the Spirit directing us in our praise and worship. And Lord, we ask now that our minds would be settled and stilled in your holy presence. Dear Lord, take away everything that would distract our minds. Take away from us those things that would trouble us, burdens that might be heavy. And yet, Lord, for this time we have remaining, that our hearts would be open, Lord, as we present ourselves on the altar of sacrifice for service. And we ask, dear Father, for blessing from the Word to encourage every heart from the very youngest to the oldest saint. And Father, for any who may be out of Christ today, speak to their hearts. Warm us, we pray, by the Spirit showing us the things of Christ from the Word, that we'll be strengthened with might in the inner man. And Lord, to this end I pray that I will know the help of heaven the power of the Holy Spirit to communicate the truth of Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, answer our prayer today. Cause us to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And help us to face whatever battles and trials and struggles that we must go through in this life. Remember every family that is either sick or recently bereaving. And Lord, we ask for your hand of blessing to be upon them. So hear our prayer now today. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.
Sometimes if you receive uh, an unexpected kindness from an unexpected source, well, you may react in different ways. So not long ago, I was in um, a drive through coffee line, Tim Hortons. For any of you who know anything about Tim Hortons, that's part of a synonymous connection with Canada anyways. So the person, the lady in front of me in the car, she paid for the coffee that I was ordering. Of course, when I got up to the place to pay, the person said, oh, the person in front of you bought your coffee. Really? Well, by the time you could even think of going ahead to say hello, thank you very much, driven off, never saw the person again. Maybe you have given your shopping cart to someone uh, in the parking lot and you haven't had to put your quarter back in to pay for the deposit. We have to do that. They put these chain connectors on the shopping cart so you won't walk away with them or leave them out in the parking lot somewhere. You've got to put your quarter back into it. And sometimes you might just give your shopping cart to someone and say, I don't need the quarter or whatever it is. There's a little thing like that. On the side of our police cars, we have a little phrase that says, deeds speak. And so the idea behind it, of course, is that if the police are doing a good deed or if the citizens are doing a good deed, it's, it's a good thing. Of course, you can do bad deeds as well, but the idea behind it is to do that which is right and good. Sometimes, though, we might be a, a little bit suspicious at times. Maybe the older you get, you become a little bit more cynical and you wonder sometimes why someone is doing a good deed for you. And you wonder, is there something behind it? And you might be a little bit uh, suspicious. Well, we hope that's not the case. In this psalm before us, we have many examples of the kind actions of God toward His creation, and specifically for His people. Four different times we have this phrase repeated, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Then in summary, the very last verse that is our text today, it makes a statement and says, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, things that are positive, things that are negative, the evidence of God's hand of provision and blessing upon his people, they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And that's what I want us to think about this morning, the loving kindness of the Lord. And so if nothing else is remembered about what the sermon is about, let's have this fastened to our hearts and turn it over in our minds again and again the loving kindness of the Lord toward us. The first thought I leave with you is this. The loving kindness of the Lord is seen in giving the gift of salvation. In giving the gift of salvation. You know, with all the the kind expressions that flow from the Lord to this world, There can be nothing greater than this, than the gift of salvation for what it means to be someone forgiven of a great debt 
washed clean and made righteous and placed into a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I asked our brother if we would sing this morning that hymn, A Debtor to Mercy Alone, a great hymn by Augustus Toplady. And when you think over the words and the doctrines contained in, a, in the great hymns of the church, they really capture uh, the teaching of the gospel and of the goodness and kindness of the Lord toward us, and certainly in the message and the wonder of so great salvation. How will we trace God's grace in salvation? Believer, in your life, how can you trace this? Well, I suggest to you that we can trace this from our vantage point now as being saved, of looking back to the time when we were unsaved. We were all born in sin. You've read through the book of Ephesians, and Ephesians 2 verse 1 tells us that we are dead in trespasses and in sins. There was no desire in seeking after God when we were without Christ. In fact, we were the very opposite of that in both our habit and our nature. We went in our own direction, our own way. But it's only when we think back about the overseeing providences of God in our life, how we begin to recognize the mercy and the kindness of the Lord in us and leading us in the pathway that we have come to. At that time, we did not acknowledge it was anything to do with God. When we were delivered, perhaps, from some bad circumstance, we may have thought, oh, that's just good luck. Uh, I got the good turn uh, for this time, and I averted disaster or death. I have heard testimonies of people, and I'm sure you have as well, who have come to Christ And they have looked back in their life and they have witnessed and given testimony of many, many times. They have been near death. They have been near circumstances where if in any normal condition they had been allowed to go through, they would have been dead and gone. What saved them? What stopped them? Not just once, not twice, but maybe a host of times. My dear friends, we look back from our vantage point and we can see It is the kindness of the Lord toward us that delivered us from many times being in certain death when we were unsaved in those circumstances. But we also see it, don't we, as we look back and see how undeserving we all were of so great salvation. The truth is that God's loving kindness It came to meet us when we were very uninterested. We had no concern of the things of God. As a matter of fact, we were not just undeserving and uninterested, but we were wickedly rebelling against any offer of God's great salvation to us. When we were most undeserving, we had no worth, no merit. There was no ability, no righteousness. All of the things that we now know as being saved, we possess none of them when we were out of Christ. What we deserve was not heaven. 
But what we deserve was most definitely hell. We had nothing to bring to the table. We had no merit of negotiation. There was nothing that we could say, well, I awoke one day and realized that I was a sinner and I, I would reach out to God in my quest for righteousness or truth. Being dead in trespasses and in sins, there was no light in us. There's no spark of goodness inside an unbelieving person. We had an insurmountable debt and it was impossible for us to pay that debt. We mounted up an eternal weight, an eternal weight with no hope and no ability to bring anything to the Lord. When we run saved, when we run deserving, but friends, when we were very active rejecting the Lord. It gets worse. It's not just that there was no real interest and that there was sort of a resistance, but there was an active rejection of things godly and of Christ in our life. Unable to pay, unworthy of it, but at the end of the day, We didn't want it. How many times can you remember that the gospel was presented to you when you were unsaved? How many times did someone share with you the wonder of so great salvation, and yet you just kind of sloughed it off? How many times have you been trying to hand out a gospel tract to someone sometime, maybe in doing some community outreach, and people walk by you with their heads hanging high and just kind of brush you off? They don't need that. They don't want that. That's the way we were in our unsaved condition. Man does not seek the Lord. It is the loving kindness of God that seeks after us. Friend, I don't know your state, your heart this morning. Many of you, most of you, know the Savior. But maybe there's one here or someone listening online. And at this point in time, you've not surrendered your heart to Christ. Right at the moment, you're just like that person the way I was, the way many, every unsaved person is, rejecting the Lord, not wanting it, refusing the offer of God's mercy. And yet He comes today in His loving kindness. You see, when we were unsaved, we were not just in a neutral position. It's not just a case that we were just kind of hanging there in a bit of equilibrium and all of a sudden, well, one day we decided, oh, we'll choose God. No, it wasn't that way. In our unsaved state, we are completely rebellious against the Lord. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, it wasn't just a sin from neutrality. It was a sin that took him from a state of perfect righteousness to a state of rejecting and refusing and going his own way. But now, in the case of the fall of man, in the depth and bondage of our sin, in the darkness of our soul, there's no desire after God at all in our hearts. But it is the Lord, in His mercy and kindness, 
when we were unsaved, when undeserving, when actively rebelling against Christ. But oh, my friend, think about the great gift of salvation when we consider the cost of our redemption. When we think of the kindness of the Lord so defined by the cost of what it is to redeem our souls. Our Savior willingly offered His own perfect righteousness on our account and it was applied to us. And the transaction could only be completed by the death and the suffering of our Lord on our account. And we begin to think of these things and turn them over in our hearts again. And it is a good thing for us to remember these things. It's a good thing to come back and realize how willing our Savior was to go to the cross. How willing He was, how kind He was to us. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So when we were unsaved from our vantage point now, we look back and we see these evidences of the kindness, the loving kindness of the Lord to us. But now, once in Christ and saved by His grace, we now think about that. The second thought I leave with you today is when we're saved, when we're in Christ, it is good for us now to consider and think about how kind the Lord continues to be to His people. To be saved by sovereign grace and to become a member of the family of God, now to be called the sons and the daughters of God, that will be not just for time, but for all eternity. Will it not take us all eternity to acknowledge and to give thanks and worship to the Lord for what He has given to us? I believe it's only when we have spiritual life that we begin to see hell for what it really is. Sometimes the ungodly will think, yeah, 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 I'm not worthy of heaven. I'm just going to go to hell to be with all my friends. I'll go down there to be with them. They have no notion and no idea what they're saying or what the depth of a lost eternity really is and of the fire and the torment and the persecution of a lost eternity. And what that means. People use the word and they speak of it so lightly. Oh, friend, today, let no one in this house be ever found in that place. And there's only one answer, one remedy that you would seek the Lord with all your heart and call upon him now while he is near. God's kindness was greatest was seen to be the greatest at Calvary. He constantly applies the benefit of His cross work uh, to us. We today stand upon the ground of the finished work of Calvary. 
and of the cross of Christ. And the more that that merit and value is applied to us as we are growing in grace and as we are being sanctified, there's going to be a day when we will see Him as He is. John tells us that. And we will be like Him. We will have His perfect image completely finished and stamped upon our spiritual life. And oh friend, what a mercy that is. And the blessing for us to be able to share our faith, to share what the Lord Jesus means to us, and to speak of great kindness. Is it not our joy? Is it not the greatest blessing that we have as human beings saved from a lost eternity and now able to speak of Him to someone else, to others? To tell a person they are in danger of harm or death is not rude or intrusive. In fact, it would be the very opposite of that if you saw someone in danger of losing their life, a serious accident, and you did not step in And you just said, I don't want to offend that person. No, friend, to speak and tell someone that they are in danger of their life, it's a citizen thing to do. It's a human thing to do. It's a normal thing to do. Well, what about as believers then? Are we not not commanded to go and speak and tell the wonderful words of salvation? The word in our text for loving kindness, our... Translators have given to us a very familiar Hebrew word. In fact, in Psalm 107, the word is used several times when the writer yearns that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, which is expressed four times. It's the word kindness. In verse 1, it says, O give thanks to the Lord, for He is good for His Mercy, kindness, endureth forever. In the New Testament, the word Bethesda means house of mercy or flowing waters. And it's exactly the same word that we have in our text today. Can you think of any greater expression of the loving kindness than the gift of everlasting life. There is no greater expression than that. Stop and consider. And brothers and sisters, let not a day pass in our lives that we don't acknowledge the wonder and praise and thanksgiving of the cross in our hearts. The gracious display of God's kindness becomes even more vivid as we grow in grace. And yes, we go through setbacks. We go through times of stumbling. We're involved in sometimes just things that we shake our heads afterwards and we wonder, how could I have done that? How could I have thought that? How could I have been engaged in that particular situation? And I believe that we see the grace of God in His loving kindness in our Christian life when we are making slow progress. Is that where you are? 
I know many times that's where I feel in my life. I'm not getting on very well. I pray the Lord would sanctify me and He would speed up this process because it seems to be going so slow and I'm not doing as well as I know I should be doing, making slow progress. Do we not often feel that our spiritual growth sometimes has two speeds? It's like slow and stop, or maybe three, reverse. Maybe that's where we're going sometimes. We read the scripture, we try to pray, but sometimes these things become more of a burden or a duty. Going through Bible reading calendars and lists, they're a good thing to help us keep on track. I agree with that, and we give them out every year in our own congregation. But sometimes, you know, that can be a burden because if we're just going through the daily reading calendar to check off the box as we've done our chapters for the day, is that really what the Lord wants of His people? No, that becomes sometimes a greater burden. We have to be careful about that. Maybe in your life, you can look back to times of greater communion with the Lord, a better communion times. But right now, maybe you're going through a bit of a grind. It's a slow progress in your sanctification. We've all been there, and maybe some more often than others. We wonder sometimes, has the Lord forgotten to be gracious? Has He given up on me? And while we observe faults in other Christians, sometimes we're very slow to admit the faults that are in our own hearts. And what does the Lord do for us in these times? Does He scold us? Does He embarrass us? Does He ignore us? You know, very often, He does none of those things. But He kindly and gently leads us back to the schoolroom of grace. That's what He does for us. And He reinforces in our hearts, He reinforces the foundation truths, and He teaches us the many things we have learned in the past by theory, but He brings them back to us again with spiritual force and power to emphasize. And we... We come away from those times knowing of the loving kindness of the Lord in our life. But what about the times when we are resisting the grace of sanctification? Is that possible? Is it possible for a Christian to actually resist the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Most definitely it is. And we have been there and we have done that. And we learn from those lessons about the time when the, the arborist, the gardener, will have to come along and he will take out his trimming shears or the saw and he will have to cut off branches that are going in the wrong direction. Branches that are not pleasing to him. And you've all seen examples of trees like that. The tree might be formed nicely, but there's one branch sticking out over here and you look at it, What's, that's kind of odd. That needs to come off. But before long, as the growth continues after the arborist has done his work and it hurts, 
and at the time it might not be so pleasant looking, but give it time. And the professional knows how to trim the tree right. And it will begin to regrow in the shape and design that he wants. This is so true in our life when the Lord comes along and he he cuts off the habits. He cuts off the attitudes. He cuts off the wrong thinking. He cuts off those behaviors that are, well, they're going to be a hindrance to our own growth in Christ's likeness. We would say at the time, Lord, is there any other way that this could be accomplished? Well, there, there was another way. If we had have listened to the Lord and followed him more closely in the first place, then he wouldn't have to come along and do this. But in the humanness of our condition, that's not the way it is. And oftentimes we have known. But my dear friends, let us never forget that the arborist that's doing his work He's not doing it to hurt the tree. He's doing it so that it will come into form. And when the Lord comes along in our lives, He is doing what He's doing for our good. Oh yeah, I have a little example for you. In our school playground, there is an apple tree. And this apple tree was never really been taken care of. And so the branches were just like everywhere. And uh, last year, we have a lot of geese, the Canada geese. Yeah, we have the problem with them too. All around the playground, they eat all the apples, and then you know what they leave behind. It's a mess everywhere. So my wife says to me, you need to fix, cut those branches off that tree and, you know, let the tree just, so they won't produce so many apples and we'll be able to clean up all this. So I get up there in the tree and I cut all these branches. I'm not a professional. I just did what I thought was to do. And the tree maybe didn't look all that pretty at the end of it. Okay, that's cleaned up for the season, got all the apples away, and it took care of the geese problem as well, the goose problem as well. But this year, that tree has produced more apples than it ever has before. It was laden with them, like the clumps of apples. And uh, I, I must admit, I've enjoyed that because I make a few apple pies out of them as well. So I enjoy that. But the point is that when the Lord does that in our life, we, we, are, we are going to bear fruit for Him. And that's what He wants us to do. We are to be fruit bearers for the Lord. So He comes along and He fixes us and He treats us in a way that might appear to be hurtful, but it's the loving kindness of the Lord. So we've seen this in our saved condition. We observe it when we are making slow progress. We observe it when we are sometimes resisting the grace of sanctification. But what about the times when we have fallen into sin? What about the times when we have stumbled and we have brought some dishonor to the Lord falling into some sin. We know the devil comes against us with his fiery arrows, his his darts of temptation and discouragement. And we know the weakness of our own flesh and the number of times we have, well, quite frankly, grieved the Holy Spirit with a Christless attitude, a Christless spirit. And, well... Charles Wesley put it in the hymn, I have grieved him by a thousand falls. Yeah. 
How does the Lord deal with us then? And I know, believer, as you do, there are times when the Lord will have to deal with us because of our continual disobedience, our repeated disobedience, and the Lord will have to sometimes knock very lightly, and then sometimes it'll have to be a hard knock at the door of our heart. And there are those times in our life, and you know them, and I know them. But very often, the Lord, in His gentleness toward us, He leads us in a manner that is very loving and caring. And didn't David say in the Psalms, Thy gentleness hath made me great? You begin to understand what that meant and how David understood that. Recently, I experienced a kindness of the Lord like this. You know, in your own heart and life, you you know your mind, you grieve the Lord by a bad attitude. You grieve your own spirit by something that you've said or something that you've done. And you just know, Lord, I should know better than this. How come I've gone down that road again? And I, I, just, I just felt to myself, Lord, I'm, I deserve a good kick. So I was uh, out working in the yard. And um, a man came by that lived in a house nearby. And I had you know, met him periodically, but over the years, we'd never had a really a conversation. It just didn't come about. But he came by that day, and he was walking his dog, and he just stopped, and we started to talk, you know, had a little bit of small talk back and forth. And then the door opened in a most unusual way to speak to him about the Lord, about the gospel. And so I, I just stepped in, and I did the best I could to share with him my faith and about the Lord, and very simple, didn't last that long. And he said to me, he said, you know, you're the third person in this last week that has spoken to me about these things. So he's a a righteous living sort of man, but not a God-fearing man at all, not a believer. He said to me, I wonder if the Almighty is speaking to me, he says. And that's how the conversation went on. And so I I pressed the word, His name, the man's name is Peter, and I pressed the word to him and I said, Peter, I hope that this is not just something you receive as from the Almighty and then you brush it away. And he talked a bit about his wife who I had met previously, they're an elder, elderly couple, and um, she is very sick with some internal problems now and uh, cancer and I don't know how long she has to live. But I would ask you to remember, Peter, in your prayers, if it comes across your heart, this man that you know I talked to. So after the conversation finished, it didn't last any more than 15 or 20 minutes. You know, I just went into the garage and I just began to weep. Because I thought of the kindness of the Lord toward me. I thought I didn't deserve to have the opportunity of witnessing to someone at that time. I just felt the, I felt the joy and the peace of the Lord in my heart and, and the kindness of the Lord. How kind our God is to us. When we don't deserve it, when we are kind of resisting, and when we have fallen or something has happened in our life, yes, friends, 
What about the times in your life also when you think that others deserve the kindness of God more than you do, more than I do? It's good to take care of our own responsibilities and not expect that others will do for us what we can do for ourselves. But sometimes in this mindset of working and providing and paying, we forget just how much the Lord takes care of us every single day of our life. In a local church that's in a world that's felt relatively prosperous, as you are here, as we are in our place, we go about the day-to-day things of our life. We work, we have money, you have a bank account, you pay for your groceries, the mortgage. Most things are taken care of. Most people are, are fairly well okay. We feel that it's good for the Lord to take care of missionaries. It's good for the Lord to take care of those who are really downcast or deprived of the necessary things of life. But when the kind hand of the Lord is extended toward you, in a way that you see visible evidence of this, you sometimes wonder, Lord, I don't, I don't deserve this. How come, how come you have given this to me? And yet, brothers and sisters, that is the very thing that the Lord does for His people. That's the very thing. He pours out His kindness and His blessings to us when we think other people need it. I don't need it because, Lord, I have enough. Wait a minute. Let's never forget that the enough we think we have is all because of the kindness of the Lord to us. We don't deserve anything. We can't work for all these things. It has come to us through our relationship with our Lord Jesus. And let's never forget that, friends, because we might enjoy good one day, and maybe the Lord takes it away from us as He did to Job. Maybe the Lord will put us through a pressing, hard trial, financial, physical, Mental, emotional, we don't know what will come to us. But we know always and must be reassured of this in the time when things are balanced and things are right and things are good to remember that the Lord will never do anything to harm and hurt us even if it appears that the gardener is cutting off the branches. We don't say to the Lord, I really enjoyed that. Would you mind giving me another trial? Would you mind giving me another shearing? No, we don't think like that. But let's acknowledge, friends, it's good for us when He puts us through times of correction because it's part of His kind hand upon us. Does the Lord spoil you? Well, as grandparents, we sometimes get accused of spoiling the grandchildren. And that's always said in the nicest of terms. Oh, you're spoiling the grandchildren again. But why does a grandparent do that? Why does a parent give good things to their child? Because you love them. But you don't give it to the point where they're going to be harmed by that. You give it because you love them and you're providing and taking care of them. Ah, friends, we have seen the kindness of the Lord in our life, His loving kindness, in giving the gift of salvation. We have seen it when we are in Christ 
and we're looking back at all those things. We see it in the present operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We also will one day experience it in the hope of eternal life. And I I close with this today. In the hope of eternal life. This is not wishful thinking. This is not something that we are just, well, maybe it will come upon us one day. I hope so. We use that word in that sense. But we know the sure knowledge. That's a better way to consider that. The sure knowledge of eternal life. It's what you and I possess now. Ephesians tells us that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that is our home. We are glorified already, even though we don't often feel it. Yet still, we're told, Paul said to Titus, he said, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we have, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In Christ today, we possess, we have this hope. It will never be reversed, and it's never ending. And that's what's in front of us as his people. Let us therefore go forward with great praise. Let us offer to God the sacrifice of our praise, giving thanks to him continually. In conclusion, would we take time to observe the kindnesses of the Lord in our lives? Stop, believer, in the busyness of your life and count your many blessings and name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. So count those things. They are mercies from His hand. And pray that we also will be reflectors and we will be able to give to others of the kindness that God has given to us in some measure, some degree. And in our busy lives, take time to be kind-hearted one toward another. We're told, and be ye kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another for what we have received, let us freely give to others as well. Let's close in prayer. Father, as we ponder over this great verse of Scripture, And so many evidences, Lord, given to us in the Word, in nature, but in our own spiritual lives, of your gracious, merciful, and kind hand upon us. Lord, we are undeserved.